Uh, my name is Mikey Stewart. If you don't know me, it's a pleasure to be with you tonight. Uh, I love bringing the word to Salt Company. It's a blast. I'm enjoying it more and more as time goes on, and tonight is no different. Uh, we're going to jump right in to John chapter 10. So if you brought your Bible, or if you have a Bible on your phone, open it up to the book of John. We're going to be in John 10. Uh, it's in this passage, pretty famous passage, where Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd. And uh, so tonight we're going to be talking about what exactly he means when he says he's a good shepherd and what it means for us. But before we really get into it, I want to pray because I believe that God hears our prayers and they make a difference. So, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the opportunity to come before you tonight to open up your word and to read what the truth is. Lord, your word is the truth. I pray that you lead us in it, that you sanctify us, and that your spirit is with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, Jesus, in this chapter, John chapter 10 is talking about being a shepherd, somebody who watches over the sheep, who takes care of them, who is in charge of making sure that the flock is healthy and strong and all put together. And um, he's talking to a bunch of people who understood what it was like to be a shepherd. He was probably talking to some shepherds themselves. And um, so I'd like to go over a overview of the Bible's view on sheep and why God's people are called sheep so much. Because it happens hundreds of times that God's people are called sheep. Here's why. First things first, is sheep are extremely needy animals. So without a shepherd, uh, sheep are very vulnerable and will probably die, okay? They need a shepherd over their lives so that they can actually just, first of all, survive. The reason for this is because they have no way to attack. They have no sharp claws. Their teeth are just for eating grass. They can't run fast. They're just a bunch of vulnerable, weak animals. So they're only the prey. They're never the predators. So they need somebody to watch over them, to protect them from the predators. Uh, they have a reputation of being pretty unintelligent. There's parts of them that are intelligent, but uh, overall, they're viewed as pretty dumb animals, okay? Uh, they are pretty directionless. They get lost very easily. That's why, like, when Jesus talks about the parable of the lost sheep, uh, sheep often lose their sense of direction and get lost. Uh, they need to be led to food and water. Otherwise, they will die. Like, if they're just eating grass, they'll just keep eating the grass until it's gone, and then they don't really know how to find more grass or the water. They'll drink up the water, and then they'll just keep circling the trough looking for water, and then they'll die, okay? Like I said, they're not the most intelligent animals. They need somebody to help them with that. This one's kind of graphic, but it needs to be said. Uh, they're sometimes followers to a fault. So like you hear when people are like, hey, don't be a sheep, you know, like be a leader, whatever. The reason is because I read this story of a shepherd and terrible for the shepherd, but he accidentally walked off a cliff and died and all of his sheep ended up following him and they walked to their death too. They just fell off the cliff and died. Yes, it's graphic. It's terrible. I know. But sheep are followers. They don't know anything else to do but follow. Uh, how about this? They can't get up on their own, I guess. So if they fall over, it's called they get cast down. They don't know how to stand up by themselves. They need somebody to lift them up. Their wool uh, needs to be sheared often. So otherwise it gets super, super heavy and like it's a burden to them. So I actually have some pictures of this. Brooke, will you throw up the first picture of the sheep? Look at that boy. That's a full sheep, okay? That boy, he needs sheared. That wool needs to be gone. So uh, the shepherd will go up to him and be like, hey, buddy, it's time for you to get sheared and start grabbing him. Next picture. But see, he doesn't like to be sheared. It's uncomfortable for him, so he kind of rebels. 
He's a stubborn sheep. But the shepherd eventually gets his way, shears him, gets him clean. Next picture. Boom. Hey, what are you laughing for? That's just a nice, clean, shaven sheep. Look at, all right, next picture. Look at all the wool that came off this guy. That's a big pile of wool. They need somebody to do that for them. Thank you, Brooke. You can take that down. They need somebody to do that for them. Otherwise, it gets so heavy and like weighs on them. It contributes to them falling over and then they can't stand up by themselves. Uh, their wool's also kind of like Velcro. So it's just like, it's like everything sticks to it, sticks and dirt and mud, whatever. So they need somebody to clean them. I know I'm giving a lot of facts. Here's the last one. I thought this one was crazy. There's a bug in the Middle East that flies around and likes to plant itself on sheep's heads. And if it plants and goes undetected long enough, it starts to multiply. Eventually, it blinds the sheep. Like, I don't know how. Maybe it crawls in their ears or something. But eventually, they go blind because of this bug. And so it's the shepherd's job to, one, make sure the bugs don't get on there. But the way they do that is they put olive oil on the head of the sheep. So you're familiar with Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Part of that says, you anoint my head with oil. I have never understood what that meant until this week. So I just always like, oh yeah, anoint my head with oil. What the heck does that mean? It's because, so the bugs stay off, okay? So it's a preventative measure taken by the shepherd. So what's the point of saying all that? Two things. One, Jesus is talking to a bunch of people who really understood this. They were familiar with it. They were shepherds themselves. So if we want to learn from Jesus and what he's saying to them, we should be familiar with what they're saying. So uh, we need to be familiar with his audience. And two, the point is sheep are helpless and needy. If you remember one thing about sheep, it's that they're helpless and they're needy. And without a shepherd, they will not thrive, but they will actually probably die. I had a, an experience where I felt very helpless and needy. You could say I felt very sheep-like this past weekend. So... I uh, was bow hunting. Do we have any bow hunters in here? Two, cool, nice. Uh, I had a great time, and uh, I went out. It was a beautiful Saturday evening, uh, blue skies, quiet, whatever. It's me, my wife, my brother-in-law, and his fiance, so the four of us. And we're in this um, stand like a blind, and we're just waiting for this deer. We don't see a whole lot, but eventually three deer come by and one doe, nice, nice size doe that I decide, oh, if she comes close enough, I'm going to take the shot and try to kill her. So uh, we're waiting there and it's probably like 620 at this point, about 10 minutes it takes her to, she's just kind of slowly grazing. Well, eventually she gets in a pretty good spot. We open up the blind. I pull the bow back, boom, take my shot hit her in a pretty good spot. So it was like really humane kill. Okay, don't get mad at me. But I took a great shot, nailed her. We're high-fiving, we're super excited. Uh, it's like 6.30 at this point. So we wait a few minutes and we decide, uh, let's go track her. I mean, you gotta go find her, right? I just shot her, I'm not just gonna leave her there. So we're trying to find her. Uh, we find a pretty good blood trail. I'm really excited. It's getting darker. It's not like dark by any means, but it's getting darker. And to the point where we have to turn on our phone flashlights, and so our noses are kind of the ground and we're just kind of like on this blood trail, right? Just four of us, four phone flashlights and we're following this blood trail. Well, eventually about 10 minutes in, we come across the arrow that I shot her with and it had broken off. So I was like, okay, good. This is a good sign that, you know, she's still out there and we have a pretty good blood trail. Uh, we, I don't even really notice it, but it starts getting really, really dark and we're going downhill uh, because if a deer is injured, they, they like the easiest path. So they're going downhill. I'm a big hunter now, okay? Uh, <laughs> and so we're tracking this deer downhill. One of our phone flashlights dies, so we're down to three. No big deal. 
And Jenny, my wife, the whole time, not the whole time, a couple times she's like, okay, God, don't let us die. Please don't let us die. And I'm thinking, you know, it's just kind of going in one ear out the other because I'm, I'm trying to find my deer, okay? And so we're tracking. Uh, we end up going into this creek, and then she's running around. You can see the blood trail. She pops out of the creek and ends up in a space like this big, like from the stage that I'm on, okay? And we're standing there, and we've been tracking for like an hour at that point, and my brother-in-law, he's like, guys, I'm not going to lie. I have no idea where we are. I'm like, oh, good. We've just been, you know, meandering down the woods for an hour. No idea where we are, but that's good. And then right after that, two owls start hooing. Okay, they're like, hoo, hoo. And he's like, oh, that's maybe not a good idea. Sometimes owls give the signal that there's coyotes around. And I go, oh, good. <laughs> coyotes. So we're standing there. And right after he says that, there's a rustling in the trees and stuff. And I hear like this snort, kind of like a snarl. I'm not kidding, guys. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, then the girls shine the flashlights and they're like, oh my gosh, there's eyes everywhere. There's eyes. There's like five eyes. And I'm like, eyes? And so he goes, my brother-in-law goes, Mikey, draw your bow. And I'm like, draw my bow? We don't have, <laughs> we don't have a gun. It's pitch black. We have no idea where we are. We have three phone flashlights and a knife. Okay. He's like, no idea where we are. Draw your bow. And so I'm like, oh my goodness. But I'm not like too freaked out at this point. But then he calls his grandpa. He's like, Papa, get in your car. Honk your horn. He's like, honk your horn. I need to know where we are. Honk your horn. And so he honks the horn. And I hear the faintest, like probably two miles away. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. When I heard the fear in his voice and I heard how far away that truck was, I'm thinking, I'm dead. Like, seriously, I think I'm going to die. My legs are shaking. Jenny's behind me. I can feel her shaking. And I just got the bow. I don't have a gun, anything. I'm just sitting there. A sheep. I'm helpless. I'm needy. There was literally nothing I'm going to do. What am I going to do in front of these coyotes with a bow in the dark? No, okay? I was helpless and needy. Eventually, uh, we see some headlights. The trucks come in. So we kind of like flying V formation out of there. You know, I got the bow. What am I going to do? Shoot it in the dark? No, I'm, I'm, I'm useless. So we're there. But eventually the truck comes. We get in the truck and we're just, we're spooked, man. I mean, we're messed up. I get out of the truck and I, I start gagging because I'm going to throw up. I was so scared. <laughs> Seriously. I've like never been that scared in my life. I'm going to like throw up. I thought I was going to throw up. And then I talked to my brother-in-law. I was like, dude, I mean, it was away from the girls. I was like, I thought we were going to die. He's like, yeah, me too. So <laughs> anyways, all that to say, I felt like a sitting sheep because I'm studying this passage and afterwards I'm thinking, holy cow, this is exactly what Jesus was talking about. Like I needed a good shepherd in that moment. And Jesus is going to step on the scene tonight in this chapter and he calls himself the good shepherd. And you know, we're doing this I am series where Whenever Jesus starts saying, I am, you know his Jewish audience would have started to perk up because they know what he's talking about. They know when, when God revealed himself to Moses, he said, I am who I am. And so when he says, I am, they would start to listen up like, no way he's about to, no way he's going to do this. He's not going to call himself God. He doesn't just say, I am God. He says, I am the good shepherd, which was the same thing because to his audience, they would have been super familiar with Psalm 23, right? The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. And here Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. These are, these are, it might not seem like radical words to you right now. I'm telling you, 
These are crazy words for Jesus to say. And the implications for us as vulnerable sheep to hear from the good shepherd are actually extremely good implications for us. So we're going to read John chapter 10, most of it. We're going to read till verse 30. So open up your Bibles. Here we go. Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Again, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. Or a coyote. Kidding. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. And this happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I receive this command from my Father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who's demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Okay, you can stop there. Uh, if you're taking notes tonight, the title is going to be Three Things the Good Shepherd Does. That's where we're heading. Three Things the Good Shepherd Does. Point number one is the Good Shepherd calls his sheep by name. <coughs> the Good Shepherd calls his sheep by name. He said that I have these sheep and I call them, I... I yell out to them, I say their name, and they will for a fact come to me. I know my sheep, they know my voice, and when I call, they will 100% come to me. 
Some of you have experienced this. Some of you have experienced this call of the good shepherd that when he calls you, you seemingly can't help but follow him. Okay, he calls you out, he calls you by name, convicts you of some sort of sin, shows you where your life is not actually perfect like you want everybody to think it is. And he shows you a new way to live and you can't help but follow him. You have to follow him. He becomes so beautiful and intriguing and the way of life that he shows you is so interesting to you, you just follow him. And what'd you do to enter his flock? For those of you who would call yourself a Christian, you're in the flock, what did you do to enter? Did you go up to him and be like, hey Jesus, I can do this cool trick and I can you know, do these spins and these flips? No, you didn't. Did you show him how impressive your wool was, how it was the, the best wool that you could ever? No, you didn't do that at all. You were far off. You were this sheep that was lost in the woods. You were cast down. You needed somebody to lift you up. You ran out of grass. You ran out of water. You were going to die if somebody didn't come in and step in and save you. And Jesus comes over and helps you up and leads you to water and leads you to grass and says, enter into my flock, to my family. You have to follow when he calls you. This is beautiful. The, the call of the good shepherd in your life cannot be underestimated. It can't be emphasized enough. It is a beautiful thing to be called by the shepherd. And some of you, you may not have had that experience, but you, th you feel like Jesus is starting to call your name. Like he's mentioned some things about your life that are really sticking with you. He's, he's shown you how your life doesn't add up the way you want it to. And you're thinking, am I, is this me? Like, am I a sheep? Am I part of Jesus' flock? Is he calling me? Am I part of this? I want you to know that I've prayed for you all week that you would start to clearly hear the call of the good shepherd in your life. And the interesting thing about the call when the good shepherd calls you is there's only one way to enter into the flock. Look at verse nine. He says, I am the gate if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. And if you're a sheep, there's one way into the flock. There's one way into the sheep pen. It's through the gate. A sheep can't hop the fence. They have to go in through the gate. So I want you to picture a sheep pen in your mind, okay? Close your eyes if you have to, do whatever. But I want you to think, what does a sheep pen look like? Probably pretty open, some green grass underneath. There's a gate. It's made of wood, maybe like some two by fours. There's wire coming from it. It's, you know, screwed together. There's hinges on it. Wrong. That's not what a gate looks like for a sheep pen when Jesus was talking. Okay? Can you throw up that picture of the, I looked it up. This is what a sheep pen looks like in Jesus' time. No gate, right? It's missing. Wrong again. When Jesus is talking about how he is the gate, when this is what a sheep pen looked like, here's what would happen. The shepherd would actually sit right there on the entrance himself. And he would literally be the gate that keeps the wolves and the coyotes and the evil out and keeps the sheep in safely. The shepherd himself was actually the gate. And so when Jesus says he is the gate, he actually means it, okay? If you've entered into the family of God, if you would call yourself a sheep, you have done it through the person of Jesus Christ. There's no other way. 
When he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is exactly what he's talking about. And I think intrinsically we know this to be true in our life. Like we have tried finding life and pasture and safety and satisfaction out there, out in the world, out in the woods by ourselves. But it always lets us down. It's never like you thought it would be. And Jesus is sitting at the gate. He's, he's keeping his own inside and he's like beckoning you. Come in. Come into my pasture. I will lead you in and lead you out into a good pasture. I have a video to show you. Um, and I came across, I was just, as I was studying this, I was just curious, so I looked it up on YouTube. Um, and it actually, I was sitting in Dunn Brothers when I first watched it. It was like pretty impactful to me. Like for some reason, I started getting a little bit emotional. Uh, what it is, is this, it's these three people who go up to a flock of sheep and they try imitating the shepherd's call and they try beckoning in these sheep. And then the shepherd steps up and he does it. And so I want you to, there's like some goofy music and the call is kind of goofy. So overlook that, but think about what Jesus is saying about calling his sheep as you watch this video. That's insane. <laughs> kind of goofy. But do you see why I got a little bit emotional when I'm watching that? Because I've literally experienced that. Like, all these imposters calling out, telling you, like, hey, here's life. Come, come find this. Come follow me. And then the shepherd steps up, does his little yodel thing, whatever he was doing. And the sheep pick up their heads, lock eyes with him, and forget about what they were doing, and they just start sprinting towards the shepherd. If you're a Christian, that is you. You hear and you respond. You start to follow the call of the shepherd. And there's some of you in the room tonight who are sheep. You're one of God's children, but you haven't yet responded. Like, he's calling out to you, and you haven't responded yet. I want you to notice this. Some of those sheep were farther away than the other ones. Some were closer. Some lifted their heads right away when he started calling. Some of them, it took a little while. Some of them started kind of trotting along. Some of them started sprinting towards the shepherd. Some were black, some were white. Whatever. All those sheep were different. They had different stories. They were in different places in life. But they all ended up coming to the shepherd when he called them. 
I've been praying for you guys all week, like I said. Praying that there are sheep in the room who haven't responded, who for the first time tonight would lift their heads, lock eyes with the shepherd, that you would forget about yourself and you would start to follow Jesus. The good shepherd calls his sheep by name and they will follow. Point number two. The good shepherd leads his sheep. Point number two, the good shepherd leads his sheep. John 10 says, he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. They follow him, they obey him because they know his voice. They didn't listen to strangers, they listened to his voice. Verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. If you've responded to the call, if Jesus Christ has called your name out of sin and darkness, and you responded, the next thing you do is you follow him. You obey what he asks you. He says, hey, sheep, little sheep, stop doing this. Start doing this. Be this. Don't be this. You start to obey. Like He's like, hey, time to come Shear your wool off. Come on, it's time for your checkup. You might like rebel at first, be a little bit stubborn, but eventually, true sheep listen to the shepherd. Even if they don't want to, they get their wool sheared off. It doesn't feel good, but they submit anyways. A real sheep obeys and listens to the call of the shepherd. And this happens in our lives all the time. Like if you become a Christian, like Jesus says, all right, Mikey, you listened to my call. I called, you responded. Now, now that you're one of my sheep, start giving your money away. Start praying more. Start humbly serving your wife every day. And I like get a little frustrated because it's hard and start to kick back and I don't want my wool sheared off. But he's only looking out for me. Right? Like, why would Jesus say these things? Why would he order his sheep to do things if it didn't end up benefiting me? The good shepherd, any good shepherd, gets no pleasure out of things that don't ultimately help the sheep. I'm gonna say that again. The good shepherd gets no pleasure out of things that don't benefit you and give him glory. So think about this. Jesus says, thieves and robbers, what do they do? They come to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have abundant life. Abundant life. What is it? Life full of joy, peace, eternal life satisfaction, why would Jesus, why would a good shepherd come and want their sheep to have abundant life? For the same reason that a pumpkin farmer or an apple grower wants the best pumpkins and apples possible. Or the same reason you want your future kids to be good, well-behaved, respectable adults. Because Good pumpkins, good apples, good children, whatever. They end up being a credit and like a praise to the grower, the parents. You know what I'm saying? Like abundant life sheep, sheep that live abundant lives, give praise and honor and glory to the shepherd just by the lives they live. When Jesus calls and he starts to poke and prod and, and start to, shave your wool off and puts oil on your head. It's not comfortable. It might actually suck. But in the end, he doesn't do anything that won't end up benefiting you and giving himself glory. 
And believe me, God wants his glory. So what is it in your life? Think about it. There's something in your life that the good shepherd is poking and prodding you. He's like telling you, hey, it's time to come do this or to stop doing this. What is it? Write it down. Think about it. Write it in your phones if you have to. Talk about it in your connection groups. That's one way you can apply this. He wants to do something in your life that's going to end up benefiting you for eternity. It might be uncomfortable at first. What is it? And before we move on too quickly, remember this. Abundant life is not long life. It's not riches. It's not an easy life or a comfortable life. The abundant life is a life filled with contentment and satisfaction in Jesus. If anybody tells you the abundant life, oh, God wants you to be rich, that is not true, straight up. That is not what Jesus says. Abundant life is a satisfied life that's actually, believe it or not, full of a little bit of discipline, a little bit of uncomfortableness for your own good and for the good shepherd's glory. Real, shep- real sheep follow the shepherd. Point three, we're getting close to being done here. Point three, the good shepherd protects his sheep. The good shepherd protects his sheep. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. Jesus' sheep They not only hear his call, they not only follow his lead to abundant life, but they are protected and preserved forever and ever. Amen? They never perish. No one will snatch them out of Jesus' hand. Ever. Done. Period. I I was thinking about this today and popped in my head. When King David is a young man, and he's about to go fight Goliath. And he goes up to Saul, King Saul, and he's like, hey, I want to go fight this Philistine, this enemy of God. And Saul's like, why should I let you go fight him? What, what do you know? He's like, listen, I tend my father's sheep. And twice, a lion has come and grabbed my sheep. And I go over, grab its fur, and I killed it. He's like, a second time, a bear came, grabbed my sheep. I grabbed it by its fur and killed it. I protected my sheep. David was literally just a a shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd, how much more is he going to protect his sheep from evil? This idea, this doctrine, what Jesus said here, I don't know why, but it's one of the biggest mysteries of the faith to me. Like, This boggles my mind, the fact that I'm a Christian and Jesus says, guess what? You're a Christian forever because, not because you're gonna be disciplined enough to remain a Christian, but because I have a firm grasp on you. The Father has given you to me and I will never let you go. You know what it means to never perish? He says, my sheep will never perish. It means they don't die. 
Like they might die on earth, sure, who cares? But in heaven, they will have eternal bliss in paradise. And when you enter into the gate, the true way, when you are protected by the sheep, you will never, you will never leave. I'm, I gotta keep hitting this, this nail because Jesus says, I firmly have you. I will never let you go. And guess what? You will never actually want to leave. The shepherd is going to guard you and protect you and it's gonna be so enjoyable, you'll never even think twice about leaving the flock. No one can remove you, not even yourself. And if you, if you, I mean, if you're a Christian and you're like, I'm gonna to try to escape for whatever reason, he's, the shepherd's standing there at the gate and he's got his rod and he just whacks you a little bit, brings you back. Like he has a firm grasp on you. Remember when I said sometimes sheep get lost? Maybe, maybe you do bust out and you're like, ha ha, you know, you're running away from Jesus. Guess what? He leaves the 99 to go find the one, amen? He cares about his lost sheep. And when you first enter the pen, it might be a little bit hard. Like you first hear the call, respond, follow, you're in. It's a little bit hard to get adjusted to life, isn't it? Like the Christian life, it's not, it doesn't just happen overnight. It's hard to submit. It's hard to start adjusting to this life. But eventually, by the spirit of God, you start to get better at it. So I'm here telling you tonight, if you're a baby Christian, if you're a baby sheep, you just got brought in, don't be discouraged if it's hard. I, I get it that it's hard. Jesus never said it was gonna be easy. But you will start to get the hang by the spirit of God of how to live for Jesus. And no one becomes a perfect sheep overnight. No one is gonna be a perfect sheep on this earth until Jesus makes us perfect sheep in heaven. Philippians 1.6, Paul's saying, I'm confident of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know what that's saying? The same thing Jesus is saying. If you're in his flock, you're in for good. Welcome forever and ever. And if you start to disobey or wander, you want to, whatever, he's going to bring you back. Have faith in the shepherd who protects. So as we start to land this, I don't want to leave you thinking, I don't want you doubting, am I saved? Am I a sheep? Am I in the sheep pen or not? That's not the point of this text. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. But if you're, if you're dying, you're like, oh, I don't know. I, am I even a sheep? There's a simple test to find out. Because the reality is, not everyone is a sheep. I mean, Jesus is talking to the Jews, the Pharisees here, and he says, yeah, the reason you guys don't understand is because you're not my sheep. And they prove that to be true when they end up murdering on the cross. Right? Like they proved they weren't sheep of Jesus. You're a sheep if you meet two qualifications. One, do you believe in Jesus Christ and what he says about himself? Two, are you trying to follow and be a part of the flock? Do you believe? Are you trying to follow him? And if you're like, well, yeah, I think I hear him calling my voice, but you know, I kind of run to the beat of my own drum. I, I like living in the forest. That's not the point. Like you might want to check yourself because maybe, maybe you don't actually get it yet. Those that are in the flock, that are in the gate, you never have to worry or doubt about being cast outside because he has a firm grasp on you. And so the last question I have is actually about the good shepherd. And, you know, I'm thinking if Jesus were here, 
if we could be so bold as to look at him and say, like, forgive me of my brashness, but what gives you the right to call yourself the good shepherd? Like, by what authority? How do I know this is true? It's a pretty bold claim. He's calling himself God, the good shepherd. Here's why. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When the rubber hits the road, it's his life or the sheep's life. The good shepherd dies so the sheep go free. And like, we don't have just a good shepherd here. A good shepherd would not actually die for their animals. They wouldn't. Not for a sheep. What we have is the most terrific, tremendous, awe-inspiring shepherd you could ever imagine. What we have here is not simply a good shepherd. What we have is God himself becoming a man and dying for helpless and needy and vulnerable people like you and me. Back to the beginning. Sheep are vulnerable and helpless and needy. And guess what? So are you. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, is God becoming a man and sacrificing himself for you. Verses 11 to 16 I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. He doesn't care. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. And then there will be one flock and one shepherd. One flock and one shepherd. He's talking about forever in heaven. When he says, I have other sheep that are not a part of this flock yet. I have to get them. That's you and me. He's talking about you and me who's going to call into his flock forever where there's no more wolves, there's no more evil or struggle. Abundant life forevermore. Abundant life forever. The good shepherd died so you can live. And he takes his sheep and he cleanses them, not just with water, but with his own blood. And now, for those who believe in him, you go away spotless. The good shepherd died so you can live. And if you haven't responded to this call, if you hear it, maybe for the first time tonight, I'm telling you, respond. Do it. I dare you. I've been praying for you. I'm asking you, lift your head, look him in the eyes, forget about yourself, and follow the good shepherd. Enter the flock, enter into abundant life. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for knowing who we are, calling us by name, and yourself becoming a man to trade places with helpless, needy, and vulnerable sheep like us. It makes no sense. Lord, we do not deserve the good shepherd laying down his life for us, but he did, so we accept it. And God, I pray if there are people in the room tonight 
who maybe for the first time are hearing your voice, hearing you call out to them, Lord, I pray that they would in faith turn to you and give their lives to you, that you would welcome them in through the gate into abundant life forever. God, help us to believe this, to obey and try and live lives in step with the abundant life that you give to us. We love you more than anything. Lord, help us to do this. In your name we pray, amen.